Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see you all and to worship with you. And I was just thinking for a moment, one of my favorite things at Calvary so far since I've been here has been singing with the choir. They've been very gracious to let me sing with them without an audition. So that was uh, a very nice thing. But as we sang that song this morning, it's very, very dear to my heart. That was the song that we sang at my grandfather's funeral, and it was the theme of my dad's sermon that day, and just what a powerful text it is for his ministry, for my dad's ministry, for my ministry, and also, you know, really what I hope for each one of us when we come here each week. The main thing that we are trying to do as a church is to give you Jesus. If you ever come on a Sunday and we don't give you the good news of Jesus, the good news of the gospel, I hope you come and you call us on it because that is what it's all about. That is what each one of us needs above anything else. There's nothing else in this world that comes close to the power of the gospel. And that's what this series that we're kicking off today is all about. As we jump into the book of Galatians, we are going to understand, we are going to focus in, we are going to camp out in the good news of Jesus and what that means for our life. Now, I was thinking this week how there are many different parts of our life where we like to add things. You know, we take something that's pretty good and then we add something else to it to make it even better. You know, I think it's probably why movie studios make sequel after sequel when they have a hit movie. They keep trying to add. There are so many other parts of our life where we like to add something to make it better. Well, there is a restaurant in Minneapolis that I really enjoy going to, especially with some of my college buddies. It's a burger place. And I kind of would always order the same cheeseburger there. And one of my friends, when we would meet there, would say, you have to order this one burger. It's called the Jiffy Burger. And I read through the ingredients. And it's a bacon cheeseburger with peanut butter on it. And I'm like, there is no way I would spend my money on a peanut butter bacon cheeseburger. Well, after about three times meeting up with these guys, my friend finally says, what if I buy it for you? I'll just buy it and you can try it. So I'm like, all right, I'll take a free burger. So they bring it out, and it's this huge bacon cheeseburger covered with chunky peanut butter. I take a bite. Guess what? It's one of the greatest things I've ever eaten. (laughs) Sometimes we take something pretty good, and we add something to it and make it even better. But you know what? There's also things in our life that when we add to them, it actually, actually subtracts from them. When we take something good and we try to add something to make it better and it actually makes it so, so much worse. You know, for instance, music. I'm not sure I've ever heard anyone do a Beatles song better than the Beatles did it, right? We don't need people trying to add to Beatles music. Or for theater, you know, somebody will take something classic like Romeo and Juliet and then try to put it on the moon or something. Like, just keep it the way it was written. Or movies. I'm not sure I ever need to see another Batman or Spider-Man movie again. They just seem to come around every couple years. Well, the reason I bring this up is today we are going to see how Paul is very concerned when people add to the gospel. 
And what he is going to show us is that when you add anything, even just the smallest of things to the gospel, you are actually subtracting it. In fact, what Paul will say is that if you add anything to the gospel at all, it no longer is the gospel. You have completely ruined it. Now, the goal today, and really the goal for this whole series, is that you would feel more free and that you would feel more secure and that you would even feel lighter, maybe, than you have felt in your entire life. This is an opportunity for us to be reminded and to be refreshed and maybe even understand for the first time the goodness of the gospel It's an opportunity to understand the height and depth and length of God's love for every single one of us here today. And maybe to see where the church or where books or where teachers or maybe even family and friends have gotten off track from time to time. And maybe even where us ourselves have gotten off track when it comes to the gospel. It's an opportunity for each one of us to take a shot of 200-proof grace and to rest in the good news of what Jesus has done for us. You know, I think way too often we feel burdened and we feel guilty and we feel shamed and we feel inadequate. We feel like we don't measure up. We're not good enough. We're not worthy Maybe we even feel like an imposter sometimes when we come to church. You know, what if everybody finds out who I really am? What if everybody really knew what all my secrets were? I'm not even sure they'd let me in the doors. Maybe we sometimes try to live out our faith in a positive way. We, we come to church and we try to apply what we hear. We try to dig into our Bible and we say, all right, I'm going to do this thing. And we end up failing. Every single one of us, we fall flat on our face, no matter how hard we try. We think, you know, maybe I'll take three steps forward, but we end up 15 steps backwards. Well, church, this series on Galatians is going to help us better understand why and how we can break free of these feelings of inadequacy, insecurity, and fear, and instead receive God's abundant peace and assurance. You see, it's about losing our religion. Religion is all about following the rules. It's all about legalism. It's all about trying to measure up. But instead, we are going to embrace the power of the gospel, which is all about the free gift of grace in Christ Jesus that's available to you and to me today. Now, the book of Galatians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a bunch of churches in Turkey, modern-day Turkey, kind of in the middle of the country. And as you maybe know, Paul was the greatest church planter in history. After he came to faith, he was called to go out and share the gospel far and wide, and he planted churches all around the world. And now since he couldn't stay in each one of those churches, what he would do is he would write letters to them to try to keep updated and to teach them and to mentor them and to try to correct any false teachings. 
And so he would get updates from them and different people he was mentoring would come and give reports and then he would address where they were at. And so today we jump into this book that's written to these group of churches in Galatia and Paul has a very specific agenda in mind. Now he starts out like he usually does, kind of a nice cordial greeting. He explains who he is in case anybody's like, why are we reading a letter from this guy, Paul? He says, I'm an apostle. I'm an eyewitness to what Jesus has done. And he goes on and he's got a very short introduction. But then if we go to the next screen in verse 6, he says, I am astonished. All the pleasantries are over. Paul is frustrated. He's angry. And he has a bone to pick with these leaders in Galatia. Now, if you've read through the Apostle Paul's other letters in the New Testament, you know typically he spends a really long time of thanksgiving and gratitude and flowery flowery language. Kind of wants to butter them up before he gets into the content. This time, he doesn't have any of it. I'm astonished with you people. And not just that, he goes on and he says, you are deserting and you are perverting. And then he says, you are cursed. I mean, Paul, tell us how you really feel, right? It's never good when an apostle wants to curse you. Paul is ready for a fight. Because in Paul's view, the stakes couldn't be any higher. Because the gospel itself is on the line. And so as we begin the series today, I think it is vitally important that we spend some time covering what exactly the gospel is. What is the pure gospel and what difference does it make today? It's the most important thing and it's the place we need to start. Now, as you might know, the word gospel simply means good news, The gospel is good news for every single person on this earth. It is the best and most important news you will ever hear or will ever receive. But Paul is about to point out, if you change the news at all, it loses all of its power. And in fact, if you change this news one bit, it is no longer the good news. In his first four verses, as Paul is introducing himself, he also gives us a very brief snapshot of what the gospel is. In verse 1, he says, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the gospel always starts with a person. The gospel always starts with a person. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he goes on and he says, this person has paid a price. Jesus paid a price by giving up his life on the cross for you and for me. He died for our sins. And thirdly, it's for a purpose. A person paid a price for a purpose. The purpose, Paul says, is to rescue you from this evil age. Or another translation says, to deliver you from this evil age. This person, Jesus Christ, Paid a price on the cross to deliver you, to rescue you from your sins. That is the core of the gospel. Nothing more, nothing less. 
And it's wonderful news for us and for every person. Even though every one of us here falls short of God's glory every day, even though every one of us is a sinner in need of a Savior, Jesus found a way to bring us freedom and forgiveness and grace and mercy. Well, I want to share one more acronym to make sure that we truly understand what the gospel is. And this is an old acronym that goes back many years, but it might make it helpful uh, for remembering what exactly the gospel is. And it'll also be helpful when we have a test at the end of the service, so just be ready. You can pull out your bulletin and fill in the blanks. The G in gospel stands for God. God created us to be with him. If you read in the book of Genesis, God created human beings and we are the pinnacle of creation and it's because he wants a relationship with us. He wants to be connected to us day after day. And the Bible tells us we are created in his image. God created us to be with him. The O stands for our, but our sins separate us from God. Did you know the word sin is an archery term? It was used hundreds of years ago when an archer would aim at a target, and if they missed the target, it was called a sin. A sin is simply missing God's target. God has a way he wants us to live and interact with each other, and when we fall short of that, it's a sin. And every single one of us is a sinner. Every single one of us is a sinner. Now the thing is, God is holy and he's perfect and he cannot tolerate or coexist with sin. And so sin fractures our relationship with God. It creates a chasm between us and God. The S stands for sin. Sin cannot be removed by good works. There's nothing that we can do to somehow cancel out our sin or somehow make up for it or somehow do away with it or erase it. No, we simply are all in the state of sin. In the book of Romans, Paul says, the wages of sin is death. Sin is a deathly serious affliction. But the P stands for paying Paying the price for our sin. Jesus died and rose again. Jesus lived the only perfect life in all of history. And he sacrificed his life on the cross for you and for me. And in doing so, he paid the penalty for our sin. The penalty that we should have paid ourselves, And he became our substitute. He took your place. He took my place. E stands for everyone. Everyone who puts their faith in Jesus has eternal life. That's the promise we have. Everyone who puts their faith in Jesus has eternal life. Jesus died for every person on earth. And when you trust in him, you receive all of his riches and all of his grace. There is no other way to be saved. There is no other name by which to be saved than Jesus Christ. And it's a free gift of his grace. 
And finally, the L stands for life. Life with Jesus starts now, and it lasts forever. You know, oftentimes when we think about eternity, we just think about heaven, someday off in the future, in a distant place. And of course, it's going to be wonderful. The Bible says it's better than we could ever imagine. But eternity starts now. Life with Jesus starts now. It should make an impact in our life today. God's kingdom is breaking through into our world today, and we can be a part of it. Eternity starts now and lasts forever. This is the entire, pure, straight-up good news of the gospel. But what happened in Galatia, and what so often happens today, is we start to add on to it. An extra rule here, a little bit of tradition here, an extra expectation maybe we had as kids, or some more legalism here. Now the Galatian church, as it began, was primarily made up of Jewish people who converted to Christianity. A little bit later, as the gospel spread, the church started to receive a bunch of Gentiles who also wanted to become Christian. Well, after Paul left, some other teachers came to Galatia and they started to teach something different than Paul did. They said when these Gentiles came to faith, they would also have to become Jewish. To be a Christian meant accepting Jesus, accepting the gospel, but it also meant following all of the Jewish law. Now, this became a problem for many different reasons, but a few of them are the dietary laws. They had to be kosher. It meant no cheeseburgers, especially with peanut butter on them. It also meant all of the men, regardless of their age, would have to be circumcised before they could become a Christian. And again, the new member classes definitely were full of women and children at that point. Paul throws out a penalty flag. He says, wait a second, this is not okay. When you start to add stuff onto the gospel, it is no longer the gospel at all. Look at verses 6 and 7 again. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. This isn't just a little mistake. This is a serious offense. The Galatians are taking Christ and they're adding on to him. Well, there's an all-important question for us today, and it's the same question that was important for Paul. Jesus plus what else makes you right with God? Jesus plus what else makes you right with God? In Galatia, these teachers are saying Jesus plus the law makes you right with God. Today, some people might say, well, Jesus plus going to church makes you right with God. Or Jesus plus a style of worship makes you right with God. Or Jesus plus what you wear. Or Jesus plus what you say. Or maybe you've heard this from both sides. Jesus plus how you vote makes you right with God. Or Jesus plus who you look down upon. Or Jesus plus your denomination or Jesus plus your view of the end times, 
or Jesus plus your good works? Well, Paul says the correct answer here is very simple. Nothing. Jesus plus nothing else makes you right with God. Jesus has already taken care of all of the details. There is nothing more to do or be done. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's the greatest equation in history. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Romans tells us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means before you could ever clean up your act, before you could ever put on nice churchy clothes, before you could ever clean up your language, before you could stop judging others, Christ did all of the work. That's the good news of the gospel. And it's almost too good to comprehend, isn't it? And it's probably why our tendency again and again is to start to add on to it. Maybe you've heard this before, but there's a simple difference between religion and the gospel. Religion says do, but the gospel says done. Religion says go do all of these good things, go do all of this, but the gospel says it's already been done. Jesus took care of it all on the cross. When you add to the gospel, it is no longer the gospel because it is no longer done. When you add something to the gospel, Paul says you are subtracting. You're reversing it. You are changing it beyond recognition. And when we start to think we can earn it or merit it or deserve it, we are mistaken. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, it says, Our good works are like filthy rags because of God's holiness and perfection. And you can do a word search and find out what he's actually saying there. It's a little bit more graphic than our translation. So I think there are two important questions for us to ponder today. What does the gospel mean for us personally? And what does the gospel mean for others? First, what does the gospel mean for us personally? Well, I think it brings us face to face with the most important question we will ever answer. Are you right with God? At this moment in time, where you are seated at this time in history, are you right with God? If you have put your faith in Christ, the good news is you are right with God. When he looks at you, he looks through the lens of his son, Jesus. Jesus has already taken all of your sins and he's replaced them with his righteousness. But if you haven't accepted the gift of his grace, what are you waiting for? This is a life or death question. And only you can answer for you. The good news is all of the work has already been done completely. Jesus did all of the work and it cost him his life. It's not about how good you are. It's about how good God is. Don't let another day go by without having the assurance and the confidence of where you will, where you will spend eternity. It's really as stark as this. If you were to die tonight, 
do you know where you would spend eternity? If you were to die tonight, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you would spend eternity? It breaks my heart again and again when I talk to people who say, I hope, I hope I'm going to heaven. I think I'm going to heaven. Not exactly sure. I think I've been pretty good. Jesus wants to give you the confidence and the assurance of your eternal destiny so that you can say, I know where I am going. I know I will spend eternity with Jesus. If you don't have that assurance, please come and talk to me after the service. Go and talk to Pastor Jason, Pastor Carol, or any of the other many leaders here at church. We would love, love to pray for you and with you. But then the power of the gospel doesn't stop there. What does the gospel mean for others? When we truly understand the freedom of the gospel, it changes us in so many ways. First of all, we understand the gospel needs to be shared because it is such good news. I'm sure pretty much everyone here heard the incredible news this weekend of that girl from Wisconsin, Jamie Kloss, who was found after she had been abducted and missing for three months. I was on social media and I saw it start to pop up and suddenly everybody was sharing it and the TV stations broke into coverage and everybody was telling their friends because when you hear good news like that, you have to share it with others. Well, friends, we have the greatest news ever given. We need to share it with others. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Romans 1.16. Another thing about the gospel is it makes loving your neighbor that much easier because the gospel reminds us that we are all on level ground. We are sinners in need of a savior, just like everyone else we encounter. No one is beyond hope. No one is outside the reach of God's grace. And it means we can't look down on anyone. We can't ignore anyone because they too are loved by God. Well, also, I think the gospel shows us that we need to die to ourselves daily. We need to die to ourselves because Jesus died for us. And suddenly what we want and what we desire becomes less and less important. And our focus becomes on how we can share the good news with others. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's not about how we've always done it. It's not about how I like it. It's about Jesus. Now, one of the places in every single church that this shows up clearly is in worship. And really, we need to be asking a question as followers of Jesus. Is our worship a service or is it a serve us? Is our worship a service or is it a serve us? You see, when it's a service... It's ultimately for God and for others, serving in Jesus' name. But our tendency as human beings is to make it a serve us. 
where it's all about what we want and what we desire. And the tragedy is that we are more bothered by getting things our way than the thousands of people within blocks of this church who desperately need to hear the gospel. At some point, we need to decide, as individuals and as a church, is it more important for us to be comfortable or is it more important to reach people with the gospel? There are thousands of people in our community who need Jesus, and that should bother us. That should be our number one focus. That is our mission, to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, Satan would love to distract us and get us distracted with arguments and debates and additions to the gospel, and he would love to distract us so much that we completely forget about everyone outside of here. Jesus is calling us to be transformed daily by the gospel. To remember that it is good news for every single person. To be people who are willing to die to ourselves and to serve and to sacrifice for others so that they may know. So I have a question to end with. And it's a challenging question. And it's challenging for me. And I hope it's challenging for you. What are you willing to sacrifice in order for more people to meet Jesus and receive the gospel? What are you willing to sacrifice in order for more people to meet Jesus and receive the gospel? I want you to imagine a scenario And I think about this often. Imagine one day, as you're making your way to your eternity in heaven, and as you are on your way, you come across someone headed the other direction. And this person comes up to you and says, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you share the good news with me? You had all of these opportunities. Why why didn't you tell me about Jesus? Why were you more concerned about your own comfort and your own preferences than sharing the gospel? Why didn't you share with me the good news? Church, we have the greatest gift that's ever been given. Let the gospel transform your heart today and every day. And then let's let the gospel lead us forward as we seek to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we give you thanks and praise for the power and the goodness.